0: Hello and welcome to episode 120 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin to discuss Liverpool's 7-7-0 win over Manchester United.
1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
0: So let's start with a few stats. Liverpool's biggest ever win against Man United, their largest... Since 1895, Man United's joint heaviest defeat and their largest since another 7-0 loss on Boxing Day, 1931, and the heaviest defeat of Eric Ten Hag's managerial career. I don't know how to do a podcast after a game like that. I've never in the two years or so that we've been doing this have I encountered a game anything like this. I I was saying it could just be 30 minutes of laughter. It could just be 30 minutes of us (laughs) just sitting here watching the highlights on loop. We could watch the highlights 10 times. I'm up up for that. that. Um, Because it's hard to comprehend what we've just witnessed and let's not talk about it as a normal football game. Let's recognise it for what it is and what it is is one of the greatest Liverpool matches ever, one of the best performances we will see in our lifetime and one of the most satisfying victories. Manchester United came to Anfield today thinking that they were going to win, thinking that they were going to beat Liverpool for the first time at Anfield since 2015, that they were going to score um, at Anfield, which has obviously been a rarity. Real Ferdinand was saying before the game that he's... It's been so long since he felt this confidence that it's the perfect time to go to Anfield and they've left, beaten 7-0 uh, by Liverpool. I'll start with my period match review, Chris. A lifetime win, and I've already explained why I've put that. And I don't know if you remember the amount of times I said on this podcast, I just want moments to save her from this season. Well, yeah. in that Merseyside derby a couple of weeks ago, and this by a factor of 10, is better than that. <laughs> um, We've we certainly got those, so yeah, let's just make a start with a three-yard match review, please.
1: At one, two and three, I was thinking along the lines of the, the perfect weekend, because going into the game I was solely thinking about three points um, the way Newcastle lost at City, Spurs losing at, at Wolves. I was purely thinking, get in, get the three points, get out of there. The Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven. Yeah, just utterly, utterly astounding, especially in that second half, because I think you saw an anti- increased aggression throughout the game. I think we have, we have to acknowledge you have to have chances in the first half. We have to. But from the minute Cody Gakpo sent Rafael Varane for a hot dog and curled it into the far corner past David De Gea, there was pretty much one team in the contest. And even then, when one or two scared, I think at 3-0, there was no panic, there was no worry, there was no inkling that Manchester United would get a foothold in the contest. And just so many shining lights, um, so many poetic stories, so many amazing moments, all within one Match as you say, we're looking for incredible moments now. I think we could maybe look for a little bit more now, but still incredible moments nonetheless. And we got them those um, this afternoon at Anfield, and yeah, just as you say, it's a story for the ages, a story for our generation. Um, I was talking to someone this uh, this week about. Uh, um, how generations of years gone by, say, have the Nottingham Forest game from the 80s and how that's classed as one of the all-time great Liverpool displays. But we have 7-0 against Manchester United, which I think is pretty decent for our generation.
0: And for it to come in in a season where Liverpool have have generally been really poor as well, it just almost makes it all the more special. You mentioned it there. Let's move on to that second half. Um, Gary Neville in... The Sky post-match coverage said that it was Liverpool... He kind of played down Liverpool's brilliance. He said it was more United's capitulation. Um, I I think that that's completely unfair. I think Liverpool took a team who had won 20 out of their last 25 games, who were competing for you know three trophies in addition to one they've already won, um, depending on whether you thought they were realistic Prem contenders. I personally didn't, But but anyway... Um so, you know, they're one of the form teams in Europe and they absolutely massacred them. They absolutely, I mean, destroyed doesn't even do it justice. It was mesmerizing. It was, it was pinch yourself stuff. I know that's a cliche, but it literally was, you know, no one, no one had a dream. You know, people have nervous pre-match dreams. No one dreamt that Liverpool were going to win 7 nil. You might have dreamed about 5 No, no, Nobody in the world <laughs> thought that that result was going to happen or even remotely comprehended it. Um, And for me, the best thing about the second half, and it was, I mean, you talk about prime club Liverpool, it was better than that, I think, really, I I genuinely, genuinely think so, just the manner in which United were just completely like, left like a rabbit in headlights and the way Liverpool looked like they could score about, they looked like they could run up double figures, The, the, the level of danger they posed. For me, it was about how clinical Liverpool were. This season has been a story of, I mean, in the attacking sense, good kind of attacking numbers, except for putting the ball in the back of the net, wasting too many chances. Loads of players have been culprits, and that and that was just completely ruthless. And that is the main reason why Liverpool put seven past United.
1: Um. Well, for the XG vocal, there it was two two point eight five
0: XG. Yeah. Exactly. That,
1: that just that just shows how good the finishing was itself. I mean. Going into the game as well, we're talking about Casemiro and Lissandro Martinez, two players with genuine claims to be in the Premier League team of the season. I think I think it's fair to say. Hmm. Um, but Hero, you know, that was a shadow, shadow of everything that I've seen from Casemiro because I think he's been I think he's been superb for United, but also shadow to that, and he was chasing shadows as well, and. Martinez again. I'm not debating the impact that he's had for United this season, and he has fared a lot better than I thought he would. To kind of quote Kara as such, I did go along with the narrative of five foot nine being cope in the Premier League. Song um, about him from United fans, which I'm not a particular fan of. I think the lyrics aren't, you know, I think they're quite crass lyrics, to be honest. Well, it's quite funny that. The word that the cop is involved in that song, and in his first appearance in front of the cop, he was dismantled. I think it's fair to say. I mean that the picture, picture of, of Sal against Martinez. I can't believe that's not edited. I I cannot yeah. believe that is not a photoshopped it. yeah. That just tells you. I mean how much it was. It was an onslaught second half, and then. Ten Hag touched on it as well in that you saw almost ratty side to United when they were in that position as well. And Liverpool, if, if, if you throw back to last season as well with the 5-0 or Trafford, I think we thought it couldn't get much better than that. At five, when Salah scored his hat-trick for 5-0, Robertson goes over and says, you know, more, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going. And even after the red card, obviously Liverpool didn't add to that. There was never a chance of Liverpool kind of just sitting in the laurels today. And just going for it and going for it and going for it. And as you say, if we talk about prime Liverpool performances in the Jürgen Klopp, that ruthlessness that Liverpool got back today, that was a prime Liverpool performance in the Jürgen Klopp.
0: Absolutely. And, um, well, let's let's be better for a moment and let's talk about a few United players. Um, Not long before we started recording this podcast, I watched a two-minute compilation of... With Sandro Martinez's performance today, set to a thriller by Michael Jackson, and I was on the verge <laughs> of tears. I, I was I was on the verge of tears watching it. Um, the amount of satisfaction I got from watching what Muhammad Salah did to the so-called "butcher of Buenos Aires," "butcher of Argentina," whatever he's called. Um, I mean, it was immense. And then Casemiro, I spoke about him on the pre-match podcast that we did. Um, Fabinho. Has, has out-battled him today. And I did not think I would be saying that at all. Um, and like he said, he was a shadow. And Bruno Fernandes, who I watched at Anfield last season when they were 4-0 down. I don't know if you were at that game, Chris, but I was fortunate enough to go to that one. He ran round for the last 10, 15 minutes of that game kicking people, basically. Just trying to hurt people because that, that was his last resort. Today, it was more of the same. And I I put this on Twitter. You know, Ronaldo left United, but Fernandez is the heir to him in terms of being, you know, sort of stroppy, childish. You know, when things don't go his way, it's toys out the pram. Neville is talking about it. Keane's talking about it in terms of his terrible body language. And as much as he is a player who on his day is world class, he's got an appalling attitude and he is the worst role model arguably, of all the players in the Premier League in terms of how he conducts himself. So to beat, you know, there's, there's some players in the United team who aren't necessarily hateable, but to to beat some some of those kind of characters, I think, just just makes this incredibly sweet. And we do have to take a moment, I think, as Liverpool fans, as, you know, journalists, you know, all that professionalism, fair enough, but as Liverpool fans, you've got to take a moment and say, that really does feel so good to do that.
1: I think on Fernandez, there was the the one moment that kind of summed up when I was talking about what Ten Hag meant by how furious he was with some of the attitudes of of, of his players. Bocic comes on, right wing, late arm, and as if he's not there, Fernandez sticks out a boot rather aggressively, doesn't make contact. Bocic slips past him, and Fernandez just stops. Just doesn't even actually jog back or walk back. He just stops, and I think that's I, I get that's the attitude that, that that you mentioned there. And I think well, for for them, yeah, we can't take away they're they third in the Premier League. But for them and for Ten Hag, there'll be a lot of searching this year because one one thing I've th- one thing I've thought about Eric Ten Hag this year for United. Again, you look at his first two games in charge. Against Brighton at Old Trafford and the four 0 the defeat at Brentford when they were four 0 down at half-time and then obviously he went to beat Liverpool at, at afterwards. And ultimately, he's been a, he's had a trophy winning season for United in his first season. He's been someone that he's probably been the first United manager since Fergie that's prepared to make serious decisions. I think I think that's I, th- I think that's a valid comment. And again, I think he'll have a lot a lot soul searching this week as well to really find out the attitude of some of those players um, because as well. It kind of reminds me back, I mean, when when Spurs won 6 1 at Old Trafford um mm-hmm. in COVID, uh the COVID season, and I think at four or five, I can't remember, and I remember this because I had Luke Shaw on my fancy team at that point. Lucas Morris skips away from him and Luke Shaw wipes him out and it could easily have been a red card and you've got a yellow card on that day. And Luke Shaw mark at least since then. But again, just an example of when he can have very, very, very good days, Luke Shaw, and he's had plenty of them recently. But then when he gets targeted, because that he got overpowered time and time again today. And I think the the third goal, the second, it just showed because Martinez and Shaw, they get isolated. Shaw doesn't know where Gakpo is by his positioning. So Liverpool, or, I, Gary Neverlock, of course, yeah, he can have his opinions by all means, but to say that the oh, defeat is solely the losing team doesn't make a lot of sense to me that
0: yeah it's obviously um way too um way too one sided that um but we could and I, I could lay into bruno Fernandez all night um but let, let let's talk about uh liverpool's stars and there's I guess, even though there were so many good performances today, there is only one place to start still, and it's with Mo Salah, who is now Liverpool's record goalscorer in the Premier League with 129 goals, surpassing Robbie Fowler um, on the all-time charts. Um, What's interesting is he... I mean, he's got 22 goals now. There's been a narrative that Salah has struggled this season, and and in large part, he he has. but. Part of me thinks now, is this can you make a case that this is actually one of his better seasons in the sense that everything has has fallen apart? He's still putting up those numbers. He looks like he can drag this team into the top four. And in the face of systemic issues, he's still, you know, an elite goal scorer. I mean, he's not necessarily had to to sort of account for those at any point. I mean, this guy's um, longevity, his ability to adaptive in in difficult circumstances, it's just absolutely insane. And we're looking at, I think, we're looking at the best player of this Liverpool era. It, it feels that way. I mean, yeah, Mohamed Salah, yeah. Chris. Yeah, where do you start? Where
1: do you start? <laughs> just staggering numbers, a sensational. Bigger in Liverpool's history. I'm I'm saying that now, not just this era in Liverpool's history. Um, Two incredibly well taken goals today, has to be said. The first one, especially. To to equal Robbie Fowler's record is a very Robbie Fowler esque goal. (laughs) With his weaker foot as well off the other side of the crossbar, which which always looks uh, extra special. But one thing that's always amused me about Mo Salah, maybe I'm not sure if amused is the right word, but in terms of his end-of-season figures for Liverpool goals, the lowest... he The lowest amount of goals he's ever scored in a season for Liverpool is 23, and that's the season Liverpool won the league. And that's always just am, am, amused me in a kind of way. Because, you know, again, he's, he's had a 40-plus season, he's had 30-plus seasons, but there's one with the least... Contrib- I mean, he got 19 in the league. He did get 19 in the league last season. But to... Have the least amount of goals and sees Liverpool in the league. It's just it, it's a strange narrative. But um, you know, going back to you know, we, we can even look back to 2017 when he joined, and a lot of people probably did look at it and think, you know, "Are we going to use the word Chelsea reject?" For example, when 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 it was looked at. Um, ultimately, it's the best 30, 34 million odd that Liverpool ever Well, some of that 34 million Liverpool have ever spent. He has been utterly, utterly sensational from day one and again he has had to develop to pretty much a new look from three overnight really especially after Mane left in the summer Firmino's had his problems Gakpo come in halfway through the season Jota's had his injury issues Diaz and Nunez you know getting to work together they both like the left hand side but I think we saw in the game at Arsenal just when Diaz got injured starting to develop a bit of a partnership so new Diat, sorry Salah, <laughs> uh, go through Hall eventually. Um, you know he has had to face issues like that this season, but he is unquestionable. We're seeing it now. The whole narrative of has he dropped his standards after the new contract? I think they can be shunned now. I think they can be put to one side because it's clearly not the case. Um, it's like we we live in a world now where it's almost for a player of his quality to go through a lean spell or two. Um, But he is... I I agree with you, to be honest with you. He's he's, he's the best Liverpool player of this era, certainly of the Jurgen Klopp era. What he's done, what he's achieved from, from start to, you know, whenever he finishes. And, you know, just a remarkable, remarkable player, figure, person, everything. Just incredible, Mo Salah. We could do it all. We could do it. I mean, your an podcast is just on Mo Salah's performance, if you want, but
0: <laughs> yeah, he um, he was too hot for United to handle the whole game. In addition to where he's at um, in the Premier League charts, I think he needs seven now to match Fowler, um, all competitions, and ten to match Steven Gerrard. So that puts his status into perspective.
1: Just one more. I think I remember he got well. He got two goals and two assists against Roma in the semi-final in the Champions League in 2017-18 and in, ter- in my head um, like the best 11 I've ever seen live, but in terms of the individual performances, unfortunately I couldn't get to the game today, but his performance against Roma was one of the best performances I've ever seen live and today again, I, I-, I think I think he quite possibly matched match that really just again, all around just brilliant Come from, you know from from the get go, really, and all, he, what he's what he's doing again, he's back to being a constant threat. Because that was one thing where he was labelled that when he was playing a little bit wider that he wasn't enough of a threat. But he's back mm. to that now, and defenders are terrified.
0: And so scored this season against Man City, um, twice against Spurs, I want to say. I think he scored twice in that game. Scored in the derby too. Scored. He today. did. Yes,
1: yes, twice at Tottenham. Yeah.
0: yeah, scored yeah. twice. So he's he's still a very much a big game player. Three times player. against United. Yeah, true actually. Yeah. He scored at Old Trafford, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the other two attackers. I'll take Darwin Nunez, um, Chris, and if you want to chat about uh Cody Gakpo in a second. Um Nunez today scores two goals. Um, I don't think it was his absolute best all round performance. He's probably played better and not scored, but the main thing is that the goals are coming now. Um he's scored against on the subject of big goals away at Newcastle against Real Madrid. Obviously, that one. Deteriorated afterwards, but you, you take it in the context of the moment. Plus, Liverpool um, ahead against Real Madrid, and then scores two today against Man United. He's now not only starting to score on a more consistent basis; he's doing it against um, well in Liverpool's most significant fixtures as well. So, really encouraging, and being on 14 goals now for the season, he can push on towards that that 20 mark um, as a minimum. You'd say from here. And then you're starting to look at a tally where you're like, you know what, that is a really good debut season. But yeah, Chris, Cody Gakpo scores twice against the team who wanted to sign him.
1: Absolutely. It's a wonderful narrative. Um, just before we came on the podcast as well, I mentioned to you that I was just checking on a certain quote in terms of the timing of the quote. Um, because in February, after I think it was after the 3-0 defeat to Wolves, which seems a long time ago, um, Ronald Coleman, um said that he thought Cody Gakpo had moved too early to England, given that Ronald Coleman is someone that will be working very, you know, very closely with Cody Gakpo. You would imagine uh, for the Dutch national team, but again, Cody Gakpo over the last month or so has, has improved markedly in so many areas. I think it was crucial that he, he just. That you take a tap in or goes in off your arse or anything like those kind of things. Like the nature of his goal against Everton, just crucial, just to get off the mark for the first time. You saw the confidence of his finishing against Newcastle. Against Real, I thought he was a bit on the periphery, has to be said. But he is, I think we are, as we mentioned on the Firmino podcast, we are seeing him the most likely of the forwards to perhaps kind of drop into that role of of, uh, of a Firmino. but, again, what you saw today from him was what he's best at. On that left-hand side for his first goal, Robertson told him where to go. Bad Fred, lovely touch inside Varane. And the composure that just been lacking a little bit beforehand, the composure just to feed it into that far corner. Um, a lo- lovely, lovely finish from Cody Gakpo. And then someone pointed this out. I mean, uh, quite a few on, on, on Twitter. For Salah's goal in the Derby, he took rides for him to go from the Liverpool penalty area to the Everton penalty area when Salah finished it. And then you see him him, start the counter-attack for the third. And he's there to finish it off. And if that finish doesn't tell you he's a confident lad now, I don't know what does. From that angle, I guess the quality goalkeeper, like David De Gea, who's had a very good season himself. Just a brilliant brilliant finish and what we're seeing from Cody Gakpo now is, is again superb array a of abilities um, I think again a player that not, not all players have to adapt straight away the mantra that you have to come in and be an Erling Haaland and score nine goals in your first five games only a select few do that but Cody Gakpo I think really came of age today Really came of age, and I think we saw a lot more to him than just the goals, hmm. as well.
0: Well, you can talk about the derby, but but today felt like the day where it, it all really uh, began for him, and significant timing as well. Obviously, with the Firmino news, like you alluded to there, Chris. Um, the other player I think we should kind of really touch on is Andy Robertson. A lot of people talking about that in terms of being one of his best ever Liverpool performances. I thought much like in the derby, he was an you know, he was a man possessed today. Um, honestly, absolutely sensational from Andy Robertson, who's now um, I think joint fifth in the Premier League assist charts as well. So he's having um he's having a pretty good season, I'd say. Um so Chris, thoughts on Robertson and also, um uh, before we move on to our kind of last uh section of the podcast, um any other honorable mentions today. I mean, it will be hard to avoid listing the whole team, but it might be worth doing that today. <laughs>
1: um I'll say the honourable engines first, Roberto Firmino, in this week of all weeks to come on and put the cherry on top of the icing on top of a delicious tasting cake <laughs> it was just it wonderful. Um, I think we should savor every single Roberto Firmino appearance now. You um, know, whichever goal turns out to be his last one, it will be fantastic. So I, I agree with you that there were plenty of of of, of great. Performances like Fabinho, for example, one of the best performances for this season for, for him, for me. But Firmino is my main extra standout. On Andy Robertson, because Ashley Cole exists, I can't quite call him the best left back in Premier League era. Just because it, I think you have to recognise Cole's achievements over such a long period, and obviously what what he what he won as well. Um, Dennis Irwin up there as well, and etc. But he is easily up there as a Premier League great, not just a Liverpool great, a Premier League great. He is the best left back we've ever seen. Yeah, you know, we talk about in terms of what we've ever seen. A lot of this Jurgen Klopp team will be the best we've ever seen in in certain positions, absolutely. But he is just a phenomenon. And I, at Hampton last season, the the four 0 against Southampton, I said after that game. The season because I think uh, he started the season injured. Obviously, Costa Simic has come in and he does a great job. More the more times out of more times than not, Costa Simic does a fantastic job. Did a great job as well in, in midweek when he deputised. Obviously, got an assist for Salah in, in midweek. But when Robertson spectacular down that left hand side, he really, really is. And a bit good that he couldn't get on the score sheet himself. Obviously, curling effort that, that, that went just wide, but. Just a phenomenal player. And what he's doing as well, he's developing so many... You know? Again, when when he has the ball and he's pointing to Gakpo, saying, go in there, go in there. And it's one thing telling Gakpo to go inside Fred, but it's delivering the pass with perfection to set mm-hmm. Gakpo away for his first as well. Um, and I just think he's got so many amazing qualities. Andy Robertson as well. He's a leader. He's a he's a captain without wearing the armband, as well, which, which, which is a fantastic quality to have when times are going when times are tough as well. Um, and I I would certainly put that up there in terms of one of his best Liverpool displays. Uh, you know, there's many 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 of them to choose from, but you know he, he's he's a he's very much a Liverpool legend. And you've got to mention as well just quickly the whole back four because it's five successive Premier League clean sheets. Who'd have thought we have been saying that after the three 0 defeat to Wolves?
0: And who'd have thought Alisson Becker would be uh, two clean sheets off uh, first place in the Golden Glove race as well. Absolutely yeah. mental. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, by way of literally mentioning every other player, um, Alisson mm-hmm. nearly made the mistake, um, but some good distribution from him didn't have too much to do save-wise. Um, Henderson, I thought, great assist for Nunes, really grew into it second half. Harvey Elliott, same for him, much better second half for being. I've already mentioned. Um, doing really well against uh, Casemiro and obviously Bicetic as well with that nice little turn on uh, Fernandes. Um, But let's think about how Liverpool move forward from this. Um, Klopp talked after the game about how he believes this run of of four wins in five in the Premier League is largely down to players coming back. Um, We're remembering that this victory came without one of Liverpool's most important players, arguably, in Thiago as well, uh, a player who single-handedly boss Man United in this fixture last season, um, which makes it all the more impressive, I think. In terms of the top four race, I think it isn't Liverpool against Tottenham. It's not Liverpool against Newcastle. It's Liverpool against themselves. We saw to- today what the best version of this team can look like if they can produce close to that on a consistent basis until the end of the season. Top four is there is theirs for the taking. I truly believe that. Um, I would look at Tottenham yesterday, and I'm like, the only way Tottenham are getting top four is if Liverpool give it to them? I, 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 I just that—that's my take on it. I think today I look at though, even beyond this season's top four race, and think I've said all season that I don't think this Liverpool team is needs to be in a transition period that last years. I think it can be a one season transition, and I think genuinely today showed that you add the right midfield additions to this team. You do the right things you need to do in the summer. You make the right amount of investment. The pieces are in place to unlock the frightening ceiling of this team and make Liverpool a title contender again. Um, Chris, your like, final word on this then?
1: You might have to go through a few podcasts back and find the part where I said that I'd be surprised at the top four changes and please delete that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, you know, I said it at the time because I just... Um. But it's looking so much more healthier. It's looking so much more possible. Um, you're looking at other teams as well. But, but I, I agree with you in that Liverpool just have to focus on themselves. 100% just have to focus on themselves. And when I was watching Tottenham's highlights yesterday, um, they were good in the first half period opportunities, but Wolves really did deserve the win at the end for their second half performance. And they could have scored more than they did. Um I had the feeling that Wolves would get something against Spurs. I went for a draw, personally, but for Wolves to get the the win was obviously very helpful for Liverpool. Um, Newcastle, it's are going to come from based on their current system at the moment. Just because they are struggling at that end, and also they've been so solid defensively, but even yes, against good teams, Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, conceded two goals. Each of the last three games as well. Now, and I think we're starting to see one or two little bits of fragility. You can see that against Bournemouth as well could easily have lost that game. So I think we are seeing other teams have a little, have a few faults. where Liverpool are kind of getting in, getting in the groove at the moment. But it's so important that just collect this win. You know, we could talk about it until the cows come home, but collect this win, put it in the bag. You don't get extra points to win at seven nil. You just move on. Big healthy boost to the goal difference and move on to Bournemouth because Bournemouth as well, after what happened at the Emirates, they'll be hurting, they'll be bruising, they'll be thinking that that was a missed opportunity to really help themselves out in the relegation battle. And they'll be looking for a big performance at the Vitality next year, or sorry, next year, next weekend. Um, And very, very different team. Of course, we all remember what happened when Liverpool were in good form and went to Bournemouth. Back in uh, 2016, uh, <laughs> well, twenty sixteen seventeen, or 20... Uh, it was it 20,
0: was it 20, was sixteen seventeen yeah sixteen yeah.
1: seventeen. I thought it might have been um, seventeen eighteen for for some reason then, but um, yeah um, yeah we all remember what happened. Well, really, you know, obviously making sure something like that doesn't happen again. But in the same vein as as, as this afternoon,
0: yeah, Liverpool are playing. You know, they're going to the team bottom of the Premier League Um, but they absolutely have to ensure that this isn't another sort of this isn't the most spectacular false dawn of the season so far no doubt about that whatsoever Um, but yeah that is going to wrap us up for this podcast a few little bits of um, admin beforehand Um, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a positive review or leave us a positive rating remember to follow the podcast um, so it appears in your feed you can also press the notification button as for YouTube uh, please um, subscribe to the channel. We'd really appreciate that. Like the video, comment, things like that. Again, you can press the notification button. And also, um, we've uh, opened up our email address now. And that is, let me just bring that up now so I can share that with you. Moving um, fast. It is unrestrictedpodcast at gmail.com. That' easy to remember. And if you've got any sort of questions or comments on there, um, it can be stuff that we just read for feedback or it can be kind of questions you want us to uh, answer during the podcast, we'll check that before each one we do. Um, and we'll take all that on board. So, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much to Chris for coming on. And I'll leave you for, um our next podcast next weekend after Bournemouth um, with one last mention of the scoreline. Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0.